Great to see you this morning. We're talking about enjoying the rest of our life, and we're starting through the book of Philippians, and that's the theme that Paul writes in that book. And today, we're talking about changing our life, because to enjoy life, usually there's things you have to change. And I grew up in church, and I can remember hearing people say things like, Jesus changed my life. And as a kid, you know, I'd wonder, like, what exactly does that mean? How exactly does that happen? And I would hear people say different things. I'd hear some people say things like, wait on the Lord, and it just happens. Kind of a, a, a passive approach. I heard people say things like, if it's going to be, it's up to me. They didn't say it exactly in those words, but... The idea was because of everything that they've done to change their life. And when you're hearing, well, one person says, just wait and just God's going to do it. The other person is talking about all that they've done to change their life around because of their faith. They've done this because of their faith. They've done that. And it's kind of confusing, like, so what do I do? Who's right? Do I just sit back and let God change me? Or is it about me putting into practice my faith and and if I'm active, it's going to change? Well, Paul talks about this in Philippians 2, 12 and 13. He says, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. So he's saying this is something you do. You know, you work it out. Then it goes on to say, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Then he says, God does it. So first he says, you continue to work out your salvation. Then he says, God's going to work it in you. So the answer is, I've got a part and God has a part. God does his part and I do my part. You can circle the, word, the words work out and you can circle the, word, the words works in. Work out your salvation. That's my part, what I do. Works in is God's part, what he's doing in me. Now, let me talk a little bit about salvation, what that means. The Bible describes salvation in three different ways. It talks about justification. That's the day that I committed my life to Christ, and that's the day that you're saved. Salvation takes place. The Bible talks about sanctification. That's the process of living out a life of salvation. You're already saved, but it's a process of living out salvation. Glorification is in the future when you have a glorified body. One's talking about your spirit. One's talking about your soul. One's talking about your body. Spiritually, I was saved at the day I committed my life to Christ. I was justified. My soul, my mind, will, and emotions, it's in a process of growth and salvation. That's sanctification. That's happening your whole life. And one day, your body is going to be glorified. You have a new body that never perishes. That's glorification. So I got saved. I'm in the process of being saved, meaning my Mind, will, and emotions are still corruptible. I still sin. And one day I'm going to have a glorified body that never dies again. I'm saved. So when you look at salvation, 
There's a past, a present, and a future. You go to heaven because of what happens at justification. You go to heaven because of you putting your faith in Jesus. But when you put your faith in Jesus, did you become like Jesus that day? Christian means like you're Christ-like. Were you like Christ the day you gave your life to Christ? No. Were you 100% justified? Yes. 100%. It's done deal. You're justified. And yet, you might be very little like Jesus. And when it says work out your salvation, it's talking about the, you're working out the implications of that decision. And to grow spiritually, there's work involved. There's things I need to do that are going to help me to grow spiritually. And yet, there's things that God's going to do in me to help me to grow spiritually. It's not just what I do. It's not just what God does. It's both. You know, he says, work out your salvation in fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to bring about his good purpose. So it's what God's doing as well. He's writing to the Philippian church. They're already Christians. And he's saying, develop what God's given you. You start it. You gave your life to the Lord. Develop that now. What are you going to do to grow? It's not talking about work for your salvation. Like if you do these good works, then you're going to get saved. It's not saying you work for your salvation. It's like in a physical workout, if I'm working out my body, I already have the body. <laughs> I'm not working for the body. If I start working out, then maybe I'll get a body. I'm not working for a body to get one, to, to achieve the body. I already have it. I'm working out what? To develop the body that God's already given me. Working out your salvation is developing the salvation God's already given you. But when you get saved, you don't see it in your life sometimes. The salvation that you 100% have, sometimes you don't see Jesus in your life that much because you're a baby Christian. You're, you have to work it out. You have to grow. You have to develop. That's why you'll sometimes meet people that have been Christians for quite a while, but they haven't matured too much because they haven't worked out their salvation. They haven't continued to develop it. When you work out a puzzle, you already have the pieces. You're not working out the puzzle in order to get the pieces. You already have the pieces. You're developing what you have. When a farmer's cultivating the ground, he's developing what he already has to bring about growth. God wants you, once you're saved, he wants you to develop what you have. Work out that salvation. Don't be satisfied with just being saved. Put into practice the things you have to do to change your life so that you can have a better life. Because we all know people that are saved and they're not enjoying their life. In Philippians, the theme of Philippians is to tell the Philippians to enjoy their life. That's the major theme of the book. Rejoice. Over and over in that book, that's what he's talking about. So he's saying, I want you to enjoy your life, and you're not going to enjoy your life if you don't develop your salvation, if you don't develop what started, if you're not doing the things that are going to help you to grow. And it said, work out your salvation, which means I have to accept if it's my salvation and he's telling me to work out, I have to take responsibility for my lack of growth. 
I can't say, well, you know, I'm not growing spiritually because God didn't do this and God didn't do that. Because God told me to work out my salvation. That means I've got salvation. If I'm going to work that out, if I'm going to have that grow, that means there's things I have to do, which means I have a responsibility. I can't point my finger at somebody else. I can't point my finger at my mom or dad if I'm not growing spiritually. I can't point my finger at anybody in the church if I'm not growing spiritually. You can't even, you can't even point your finger at the pastor. Because, man, if we had a better pastor, I'd be growing spiritually. You can't point your finger. I can't either. I guess I can, huh? <laughs> but you can't point your finger at anybody because if you're not growing spiritually, it's because you're not doing the things that you need to do. You're not accepting responsibility for your growth. God doesn't want cookie-cutter Christians where that we all look alike. God doesn't want you to be just like me because you have different gifts, you have different talents, you have a different background. God wants to use everybody in a unique way. That's one of the reasons why you have to develop your own spiritual growth because you're not me. You're not me. Some people love reading, and that person will read the Bible, read the Bible, and really grow from it. Somebody else, they might just not be that good, and it's not at reading, you know, and it's no excuse for not growing because nowadays you don't have to read. Nowadays you can buy a CD and listen to it. There's multiple ways to receive God's Word. I wouldn't be surprised if there's enough movies out there nowadays on the Bible that you could learn a lot. Some of them are pretty accurate. Some of them are made by Christian companies. You could probably learn a lot from the Bible just watching some of the, the movies that they have on the life of Paul or the life of Jesus. Uh, some of them are pretty accurate. Not all of them. So there's multiple ways to grow. There's no excuse for someone not growing in today's world. It says with fear and trembling. What does that mean? Are we afraid of God? Well, I'm afraid to disobey God, not because I feel like he's going to zap me, but because there's consequences. If God says don't do something, there's a reason why he says that. If I disobey, it could ruin my marriage, right? I'm going to suffer the consequences if I don't obey him. So fear and trembling, like, there's things that I should be afraid. Like, oh, God, I don't want to disobey that one. Well, one of them is working out your salvation. He said, work it out with fear and trembling. What he's saying is it's a scary thing not to grow spiritually. It's a scary thing. The fear isn't that we're afraid of God. We're afraid of what's going to happen if I don't work out my salvation. I'm going to stay in the rut that I'm in. I'm not going to develop and grow which means I'm a Christian, maybe my marriage is a wreck. If I'm not working out my salvation, if I'm not developing myself spiritually, I'm saved, but my marriage doesn't get better. Or whatever problem I'm having at work, maybe it's because of my own character flaws. So I'm not doing well at work. If I'm not working out my salvation, allowing God to help me to grow, I keep those character flaws. So I put my faith in Jesus, and I still get fired. Why? It's like there's things I should be afraid of, and one of them is not taking my salvation seriously enough. And if you're not trying to grow in your faith, you're not taking your salvation serious enough, and there's reasons for you to have fear and trembling. You know what the words fear and trembling mean in English? 
They mean fear and trembling. That's what it means. So there's things to be afraid of, and one of them is I'm afraid not to try to grow spiritually. Then he says, for it is God who works in you. That's God's part. That works in you. That word is, uh, if you see it in it, how they pronounce it in Greek, it's where we get our word energy from. Energy from. So it's almost like he's given us that energy to be successful. But this is from God. This is God's part. He gives us the power to do what we need to do. So God's going to empower us. He's saying, work out your salvation, but I'm going to empower you. So let's look at that. Let's look at God's part. How does God empower me to develop my salvation? There's a lot of ways, but we're just going to look at three. One is the Bible. You can fill in the blank. God gives you the Bible to help develop you. You can already tell that you have a part in that. What's God's part? He gave you the word. You already know your part. You've got to read it. In 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, it says, The whole Bible was given to us by inspiration from God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It straightens us out and helps us to do what is right. It is God's way of making us well prepared at every point. So, God gives us the Bible to develop our life. And as you read the Bible, it changes your thoughts. It changes your opinion on things. It makes you see things in a different way. All of a sudden, some things that weren't serious to you are. And some things that you made so important aren't. Think Now that I know God's word, I've been living for the wrong things. I thought, you know, materialism was so important. But as I read God's word, it changes me. And I don't feel that way anymore. When you read it, you study it, you memorize it, you meditate on it, you live it, it changes you. It changes you. So, does God have a part in your spiritual growth? Yes. He gave you the Bible. The Bible is a major part of that. Some people say, I don't have faith. I don't have faith. My question is, are you reading the Bible? They're going to say no. And what do you expect? Because the Bible says, faith comes by hearing the word of God. If faith comes by hearing the word of God, I better read the Bible. I better read it. That's what's going to develop my faith. So, God changes you, but you have a part in it. It's not just automatic. He gave you the Bible, but there's a choice involved. Just because God gave me a Bible, I can have a Bible in my hand, and I'm not going to automatically grow. But if I read it, study it, meditate on it, memorize it, apply it, you know, growth is going to come automatically at that point. But God doesn't just give you the Bible to help you grow. He gives you the Holy Spirit. That's number two in your notes, the Holy Spirit. And he puts his Holy Spirit inside us. That's where we have the power to change. We've all met people that have given their testimonies, like maybe they were a drug addict or an alcoholic or something. And they give their life to Christ. And when they put their faith in a power higher than themselves, meaning Jesus Christ, they've changed. And nothing else ever worked. 
We've all met people. We've all heard people give their testimonies of things like that, how God's changed their life. Why? Because the Holy Spirit gives you the power to make changes that you didn't have the power to do on your own beforehand. In Romans 8, 11, it says, once the Spirit lives within you, he will bring to your whole being new strength and vitality. God will bring that new strength into your life, that vitality. That's power is what he's talking about. When you commit your life to him, he comes in and he gives you the power to change. Look at 1 Corinthians 3.18. As the spirit of the Lord works within us, we become more and more like him. Are we becoming more and more like him because of what we're doing in that verse? In that verse, we're becoming more and more like Jesus because of what the Holy Spirit's doing. The fact that the Holy Spirit lives in us. So you're seeing God's part there. It's what God does. When he comes into you, he's the, he, de, he desires to make you more and more like Jesus. That's his purpose, his purpose behind it. God wants to make you like Christ. In fact, when God made us, what did he say? Let us make man in our image. Let us. Even then, the Trinity was seen, us. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Let us make man in our image. What is his goal? It's for us to be like Christ. He wants us to be holy. He wants us to be uh, like him. So the Holy Spirit comes into your life to make you more and more godly, more and more Christ-like. Now, God's ideal is to change us into being like Christ. So what he does, he gives us the Bible. We read it, we study it, we apply it to our life, we memorize it, we meditate on it, and we become more like Christ. He gives us the Holy Spirit, and the power of God living in us makes us more like Christ. You think that's enough, but it's not. Sometimes he has to use a third way, because even though he's given us the Holy Spirit, sometimes we rebel against the Holy Spirit. Even though he gives us God's word, sometimes we rebel against God's word or we don't even read it or we ignore it. So he uses a third thing, and that's circumstances. God will use circumstances to change our life. He will allow problems, pressures, headaches, difficulties, stress. He will allow all of that into our life to change us to make us more like Christ. Look at Romans 8, 28 and 29. To those who love God and are called according to his plans, everything that happens fits into a pattern for good. For God chose us to bear the family likeness of his son. Nothing can come into your life without God's permission. People, for some reason, I think for this way, we, we want to know, and there's good reasons to think this sometimes, like, this problem in my life, is it something I've done? That's a good question to ask, you know, because maybe I can change what I'm doing. Or people debate, when something bad happens to you, is it because the devil did it to you? Because in Job, it was the devil doing it, you know? Or something bad happens to you, and they're wondering, is this something God's doing to me? You know, well, as important as those questions are, the most important of those three questions is, is there something I've done? 
Because if there's something you've done, you want to know so you don't make the same mistake. But sometimes we're focusing on that, and that's not the real thing. The real thing to be asking is, how can I allow God to use this to make me a better person? Right? How can God use this to make me a better person? Because that's what I want. I want to be a better person. I want to be more like Christ. See, I don't have the ability to stop problems from coming into my life. But I can choose whether I get better or bitter because of it. You know, I don't have the ability to stop certain pressures from happening or difficulties or stress. So many of those things are out of my uh, hands. Did the devil do it to me? Did God do this? It doesn't matter. What matters is all things will work for the good of those who love God or who are called according to his purpose. If I'm willing to allow God to work his purpose in my life, it will be used for my good no matter who did it, no matter what caused it. My focus needs to be on learning from it. And how am I going to deal with the circumstances in my life? Am I going to let them make me bitter? Am I going to let it make me better? If God's going to make me like Jesus... I have a feeling that maybe I might have to go through some of the things Jesus went through. And Jesus was tempted. It says that he was tempted. So I guess if I'm going to get stronger, I'm going to get tempted. The devil tempted Jesus. The devil's going to tempt me. You know, the same thing's going to happen to you. The Bible says he was tempted in every way, just as we are. In every way, just as we are. That could be tempted to be angry when I shouldn't be, impatient when I shouldn't be, you know, depressed when I shouldn't be, because I could be keeping my eyes on God instead of the circumstances. Keep my eyes on God, and I'm okay. Keep my eyes on the circumstances. You can get depressed. He was tempted in every way, just like we are. So if he went through those temptations, if he went through those difficulties, then who am I to expect that I won't? We think or we hope that as a follower of Christ, I'm on the right path, which means I can finally get some comfort in my life. Unfortunately, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. We have a strength to go through the difficulties that we didn't have before. Remember, God is always more concerned about your character than your comfort. That's why we don't get everything we want, because it would make us spoiled brats. We'd have a bad character. Look at Hebrews 5.8. Jesus learned obedience through suffering. Aren't those the verses that you hate to hear? Because you know, if God wants you to be Christ-like, there's going to be some suffering that you have to go through. You're not going to become Christ-like without suffering. I kind of like the idea of comfort over suffering. Look at Hebrews 2.10. Jesus was made perfect through suffering. There it is again. If I'm going to be like Christ, I'm going to go through suffering. There are some religions, and they're designed to escape suffering, which means you're going to escape character and growth. Because growth usually comes through harder times not through the easy times. I wish it wasn't that way. 
I wish when the easy times came, we just shot up in, in growth. But our character is usually developed in the tough times. That's when you see what you're made of. You don't see what you're made of in the easy times of life. You see what you're made of in the tough times. During these tough times, what am I going to do? Scripture says, be humble. You know, but, um, before honor is humility. You read that in the Word of God, and then you have a choice. Am I going to try to apply this? You have the Holy Spirit trying to encourage you. You have a choice. Am I going to apply this? But if I don't apply it, then God will allow me to go through life circumstances, and I'll be humbled. I'll be humbled. Because God cares way more about me as a person. And, if, and because of his love for me, if he has to have me get humbled in order for me to get that pride out of my life that's ruining me, he'll do it. He'll do it. Not because he's mean, but because he loves me. And let's just say that you were reading the Bible. Let's say you're really dedicated and you read the Bible two hours every day. That's dedication, right? Two hours every day you're reading the Bible. It doesn't compare to the other 14 hours that you're awake where circumstances are happening. You know, most people would say, because they want to sound spiritual, they'll say, the number one way that God helps you to grow is through the Bible and the Spirit of God living in you. Because that's the spiritual thing to say. If you want to be a good pastor, you say that in front of everybody, right? I'm, I'm going to tell you. You read the Bible. You look at the stories of the Bible. God uses circumstances Way more than what you realize. Think about it. You read, like I said, you read the Bible. If you read the Bible two hours a day, it still doesn't compare to the 14 hours of waking hours that circumstances are happening. Plus, circumstances can happen in the middle of the night. I woke up at 3.50 in the morning. Couldn't go back to sleep. That's a circumstance. But that affects your, how you feel the next day. I eventually went back to sleep. But I didn't get the full amount of sleep that I wanted. But it affects you. Circumstances are constantly going on. And a circumstance like that tests your character. You know, because if you like to get sleep, which I do, and you, and you wake up at 4 o'clock instead of 7 o'clock, that tests your character. So God uses circumstances way more than what we want to um, believe. Look at this, Proverbs 20, 30. Sometimes it takes a painful situation to make us change our ways. Isn't that true? Sometimes, see, people don't change when they see the light. People change when they feel the heat. Because a lot of people see the light and they don't change at all. But when they feel the heat, now all of a sudden they're teachable. Now that they're going through a hard time, they're praying. Now that they're uncomfortable, they're saying to God, I'll do whatever it takes. Help me. I want to save the marriage. I want to, you know, whatever the thing is. I don't want to lose my job. God, I'll change. I'll change. I'll stop drinking. Whatever it is that's messing up their life. You know, why are they doing that? Because now it's not comfortable anymore. Now what they're doing, they're losing their job. They're going to get fired. And now that they're 
feeling the heat. Now they're all ears. Now they're ready to go because sometimes it takes a painful situation to make us change our lives. And you know what? Most of these times, if God answered their prayer, they would stay the same. And most of the time, God just allows them to go through those consequences and then they change. You know, but they're praying that God would help them avoid the consequences. Like, and then they keep their job and then they go right back to the drinking problem that messed them up where they're late and all that type of stuff. They, they, they don't change. But they lose their job and now they believe they have a problem. Now they get help. And now God's used that for the good. But there's also my part with all these things. God gives us the word. God gives us the Holy Spirit. God puts us in circumstances to help us grow so that we can change to be the type of person that can enjoy life. God's not putting you through these circumstances to make you so you can't enjoy life. He's doing it so that you can enjoy life. So, but what's my part? What are the things that I need to do that's going to help? Number one in your notes, I can choose what I think about. That's something that's my part. There's more than three things, but I'm going to talk about three. But I can choose what I think about because growth isn't automatic. God gives me the Bible. He gives me the Spirit. He gives me circumstances that he's using to try to help me grow, but it's not automatic. It doesn't come by being passive. Change is a matter of choice. I have to choose to change, and the most important change is the way I think. In Proverbs 4, 23 It says, be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. You aren't what you think you are, but you are what you think. Because your thinking, your thoughts, don't just direct your life. They are your life. Whatever change you want to make starts with your thoughts. If I'm feeling depressed, if I'm acting depressed, I mean, You see it because I feel it. I feel it because of the way I'm thinking, the thoughts. The things I'm thinking about make me feel depressed. If I change my thinking, I won't be feeling that way because that's not on my mind, and I won't be acting that way because it's not on my mind. Look at Ephesians 4, 23 through 25. Your mind must be renewed by a spiritual revolution so that you can put on the new self that has been created in God's way. Change always comes from a new way of thinking. Do you know that word, repentance? You know, it's a Bible word, repent. It doesn't mean change your actions. It means change your mind. Why? Because if you change the way you think, it's going to change the way you feel, and it's going to change the way you act. But people can change the way they act and conform but not feel any different. People can change the way they act to conform, but not think any different. Have they repented? I don't think so. Because repentance is more than actions changing. It's changing the way I think about it. Now I think differently about it. I feel differently about it. Now it's easier to put that into your lifestyle. But it starts with the mind. That's why the Bible talks so much about the mind. Look at Romans 12, 2, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. If I can change the way I think about these things, 
I'm going to feel differently about it, and I'm going to act differently about it. But if I don't change the way I think, you know, I'm just conforming to fit in, but my life might not be getting better. Because the goal, at least the topic that we're talking about, is how to enjoy your life. You don't enjoy your life just by changing the outward things. You enjoy your life by changing what you think. And because you're thinking differently, now you're feeling differently. That's how you're going to enjoy. Because I think differently, so I feel differently, so I can enjoy the life now. And then that joy comes out of my life. And you can start seeing it in me. But there's a lot of people that conform to Christian living, but they don't have no joy in their life. You know, you might be doing the right things, but, you know, do you think God has you here not to enjoy life? He wants you to do the right things, but he wants you to change the way you think so your heart changes, so you actually enjoy your relationship with God. You enjoy the fellowship that you have with people. You enjoy the life that God has given you. There are Christians that don't enjoy life. They really don't because they're still thinking in an old pattern. They haven't renewed the way that they're thinking. They're not thinking in a spiritual way. They're not letting God's word change the way that they think. That God's word. That's why you can read the Bible. You know, you know I mean, you can have the Bible, but if you don't read it and study it and meditate and memorize on it, it's not going to affect you. You've got to get it in you. The number one way to change the way you think spiritually is reading the Bible. Because there's so many things in there. The Bible says in Psalms, blessed is the man who meditates on God's word. So, that word blessed actually means happy. It doesn't mean joy, but it means you'll be happy. So you can have happiness and joy from meditating on God's word. So, uh, when we meditate on God's word, it changes the way we think. It changes our mind. Philippians 4, 8 says... Think on these things. That gives you a list of positive things to think about. Why would he say, think on these things? It's a command. It's not written like, hey, you guys should consider this. It's written as a command. He says, think on these things, and it's a list of things. Colossians 3, 6, let the word of God dwell in you richly. Psalms 119, thy word I've hid in your heart that I might not sin against God. Joshua 1, 8. The secret of success is meditate on God's word day and night, and you'll be successful. All these things begin with getting God's word and thinking about it. That's why we say have a daily quiet time. Read the Bible every day because you're thinking on God's word. It changes the way you think. Now that I think differently, I can enjoy life. I'm not thinking depressing thoughts. I'm thinking, I'm concentrating on things that God said. Number two I can choose to depend on God's spirit. This is where the power comes. It says in John, take care to live in me and let me live in you. For a branch can't produce fruit when severed from the vine, nor can you be fruitful apart from me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever lives in me and I in him shall produce a large crop of fruit. It says here, if the branch is cut off from the vine, the fruit can't grow. So I have to stay plugged into God. How do you know that you're plugged into God? How do you know that you're depending on God? How do you know that you're relying on God? 
Well, think about the things you pray about. If you're praying about your finances, you're trying to rely on God for that. If you're praying about your relationships, it's because you're trying to rely on God with that. If you're praying about a business transaction, you're trying to rely on God with that. We pray about the things that we want God to help us in. That tells me I want to pray about everything. I want God to help me in everything. I want to pray about my marriage, my relationship with my kids, you know, my job, my relationship with you all, the church. I, mean, I want to just pray and pray and pray about everything because I want to totally rely on God. I want to totally depend on his spirit working in me. And God is constantly with me, so I can pray. I can't walk around and read the Bible all the time. I just can't. Sometimes I'm driving. Sometimes I'm doing other things. I can't walk around, read the Bible, but I can pray to God all the time. And the third thing I can do is I can choose my response to the circumstances. That's the third one. There's a parallel between God's resources and my choice. God has the resource of his word, but my choice is do I read it? God has the Holy Spirit, but my choice is do I rely on him? Do I pray? Do I trust that he's going to work in my life? God has circumstances, but do I choose to respond to his circumstances in the right way? James 1, 2 through 4 says, When all kinds of trials crowd into your lives, don't resent them as intruders, but welcome them as friends. Realize that they come to test your faith and produce in you the quality of endurance. But let the process go on until that endurance is fully developed and you become people of mature character, people of integrity with no weak spots. Circle the word process. The Christian life is not a one-time event. When I got saved, when I was 12 years old, it's a process. It's a lifetime process of growth and development. It's like you have muscles, but if you work them out, you can develop them. You have salvation, you have a spiritual walk, and if you work it out, you can develop it. Viktor Frankl, he's a famous psychologist that was in World War II, one of the Nazi concentration camps. He was stripped naked. They took his clothes, his shoes, his family, his wedding ring. You know, they took everything. And he's standing there in front of the Nazis, and that's the day he said he discovered they can't take away my choice in how I respond. I can still be a Christian even in this situation. They think they took everything, but they haven't. They can't take my Christianity. Even in this situation with no clothes on, humiliated, everything that they've done, they still can't stop me from being a Christian. He got through that experience and wrote books and uh, has a deep insight on some psychological things. I think, though nobody would want to go through this, God used that bad circumstance for our good because the things he wrote has impacted a lot of people's lives that have gone through horrible things. But he couldn't choose what happened to him. But he could choose to make the right responses in spite of what happened to him. It could be a stepping stone to maturity 
or a stumbling block for the rest of his life. That was his choice. He chose to do a daily walk with God in the circumstance, thinking like, how would God want me to respond to this? And that's how he lived his life through that horrible, horrible time, which tells me we can be in the worst circumstances and still do step-by-step what we feel like God wants us to do in that circumstance and have victory. And even if he would have died, can you imagine him standing before God and saying, in the worst of circumstances, I stayed faithful to you. I tried to do and respond to the people the way you wanted me to in spite of what they did to me. That's unbelievable. They talk about rewards in heaven. I would think that's the guy that gets rewards in heaven, being willing to be a Christian in the worst of circumstances, treating people right no matter what. In Romans 5, 3, and 4, it says, we can be full of joy here and now, even in our trials and troubles. These very things will give us patience, endurance. This, in turn, will develop a mature character. Character is the ultimate goal, to develop a mature character. That's God's point with everything that happens in our life. So with the circumstances that happen, good or bad, there are opportunities for character to happen in our life. So the Bible says he wants to give us love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We develop these things usually in bad circumstances. You learn how to be loving when there's somebody unloving to you and you love them back. You learn what joy is when you're in an unhappy situation and you find a way to keep your joy anyway. You learn what peace is when there's chaos happening and you keep your peace. You know what goodness is when there's badness happening and you keep your goodness. For example, you don't know if I'm peaceful if I'm relaxing on a beach in Tahiti because everybody should be peaceful there. You know that I'm peaceful if it's a chaos situation, I'm keeping my peace. That's how God works. That's how you can see where you are as well. That's when he reveals your weaknesses. Is in that bad situation. Now that weakness is revealed and you know, okay, I've got to work on this. I need to get God's word here in this situation in my life. I need to trust the Holy Spirit in this situation in my life. It's a chance for you to learn and to grow. What do you want to change in your life? It all starts with the choices. God's going to do his part, but I have a choice on what I do with it. With that, let's pray. Lord, we want to thank you for giving us the Bible, Lord, so that we can grow and change. We thank you for the Holy Spirit, that you give us the power to change with his spirit in us. Lord, we even thank you for the circumstances that you allow us to go through so that we can develop And be the people that you want us to be. But Lord, we know that just because we have the Bible, we're not going to grow. We need to apply it to our life, Lord. And we want to read it and apply it. And Lord, we know that you've given us the Holy Spirit. But we've got to depend on you. So Lord, we're making a decision that we're going to depend on you. We're making a decision that we're going to read your word. And Lord, we're making a decision that we're going to respond to the circumstances in a godly way. In a way that we feel like you want us to respond. It's in Jesus' name that we make this commitment. Amen.